Well, good morning again. I'm actually feeling a little bit of allergies today. Isn't that weird? Mm. Anyway, I'm still going to work in my yard. It was October 27th, 1997, that this young, skinnier version of myself walked into the Air Force recruiting office in Silverdale, Washington, where I entered into a contractual obligation with the United States Air Force to serve our country for four years as an enlisted man. Now, I originally thought that I was going to do those four, get the GI Bill, be done, and get out. 20 years later, you know how that plan went, right? I just kind of stuck around. Uh, This weekend is Memorial Day weekend, and it is a time where uh, not, not only do we get to remember the sacrifice and service of so many men and women currently and who came before voluntarily and involuntarily, these men and women who pledged to serve our country through conflict, whether foreign or domestic, it's not just a time we get to remember that, but it's also a time we get to just have fun with family and friends, right? For those of you who have tomorrow off, hopefully paid holiday. Now, let me tell you this, friends. Enlisting in the uniformed service is no light or simple decision. Now, regardless of the reasons that a person may choose to join the service, everyone in the military is held to the same obligation, The oaths taken by every service member, enlisted, and officer require that he or she be willing to lay aside their own ambitions, their own pursuits, and pledge their personal commitment and loyalty to defend the citizens of our country, the freedoms we so richly enjoy, the Constitution which preserves it all, even if it requires their very life. Now, embedded in these oaths is also the commitment to live according to a stricter code of conduct and how one lives their life. All members of the military not only have to obey federal and state laws, but we also have a separate set of laws called the UCMJ because we like acronyms, right? also known as the Uniformed Code of Military Justice. And it's these, uh, these regulations not only to apply while wearing the uniform, but also extends into their personal time when they're off duty. Turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. You'll find it on page 1,624 in the Bible in the pew in front of you. Now, I have a couple of friends who are Marines, I have an affinity for Marines. Hua. Oh, wait. How do they say it? Hoorah. Hoorah or something like that. I don't know. And let me tell you, uh, they by far have the strictest codes and regulations. There's a lot of uh, bantering that goes back and forth between the service. Let me tell you, Marines win hands down. Now, I came across uh, Marine Corps Order P10120.28. Which is, in layman's terms, the individual clothing regulation. Now, it not only outlines proper dress and appearance while in uniform. Let me tell you, before I got my uniform out of the closet today, I made sure to refer to AFI 36-2903. 
which is dressing appearance for the United States Air Force to make sure that my cross was half an inch above my chaplain assistant's occupational badge, also known as an AFC, Air Force Specialty Code. Anyway, <laughs> the equivalent to an MOS, friend. It, let me just say as a sidebar, if you go up and ask an Army person what their job is, they'll tell you some sort of number. Alpha, Bravo, 2, 9, or 6, 5, 3. Even to a guy, like I'm in my Air Force, so hey, what's your job? Um, I, I don't get that. Can, like, what do you do? Oh, I work on a tank. Couldn't you just tell me that? <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. You go up to ask any Air Force person, hey, what's your job in the Air Force? I'm a chaplain. I'm a chaplain assistant. I'm not going to tell you I'm a 52R. Okay? I'm not going to do any of that. Sorry. Anyway, I digress. Now, uh, not only does Marine Corps order P10120.28, I just like saying that, uh, address the proper dress and appearance on uniform, it also outlines what a Marine can and cannot wear while on liberty, also known as a day off for you civilians. Now, as one gunny sergeant put it on a forum for Marines, he says this, for us Marines, there is a civilian attire you must abide by on or off duty, which includes things like belt loops must have a belt through it. Moms, you agree. Shoelaces must be tied. No plain white t-shirts or under t-shirts as outerwear. No PT gear or related clothing as casual wear. If you have a face, it must be shaved. Now, whether a military member actually pays the ultimate sacrifice of their life or not, every single one has to count the cost of joining the service. Again, there's many reasons why someone might join the service. I had a friend in high school who said he wanted to join the army because they get a sword, whatever. <laughs> whether you want the sword, the GI Bill, the health care plan, the pension, whatever it is, Aside from all of those things, every single person who raises their right hand and swears an oath of allegiance for military service must count the cost, especially to their personal freedom. Because the military will tell you what you can and cannot do, even with your so-called time off. Friends, this is true for every single one of us who chooses to follow Jesus Christ. We like to think that we have our own sense of personal time and personal space. We like to think we have the right to dictate what we get to do with our lives. But friends, as we're gonna see in a moment from Luke chapter 14, Jesus says, no, 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 no. Friends, if you are going to follow me, then I have a lot to say about how you should live your life. And there is a cost that you must be willing to pay if you're going to follow me. Now, friends, this isn't an easy or popular message to focus on. It's easier to focus on the positives, the warm fuzzies, the bennies of being a Christian, right? It's not too popular to talk about what being a Christian might actually cost you. But friends, I'm not one to shy away from a difficult message. And with the help from the Holy Spirit, we're going to dive into the cost of discipleship, which leads us to the heart of serving. Because when you said yes to Jesus, you entered into his service. You entered into a life of service. Would you please stand with me as a way to honor God's word?
And follow along as we read from Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 35, what it costs to follow Jesus and in order to develop the heart of serving. Starting in verse 25, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters... Yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you you, saying... This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is neither fit for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Now, I want everybody to do this for a minute. I want everybody to do this for a minute. Go ahead. It's weird. I know. It's awkward. I know. Okay. You have ears, right? You have ears? So we are challenged by Jesus. If you have ears and you can hear out of those ears, whether you can understand me is a different thing altogether. But friends, we're to hear what Jesus is saying. And, and, And let me tell you, there's some hard requirements that he just mentioned to following Jesus. Is there not? Man, Jesus says here, you have to hate your family and yourself. You have to bear your own cross and you have to be salty. Sounds like Jesus wants us all to become Marines, right? Now, I think when we read this story, it can come across as a bit harsh, right? Oh, Jesus, chill, right? Calm down. Now, I believe the reason why it's hard for us as Americans to hear what Jesus has to say here and the implications of actually living it out is because we are presented with being a a follower of Jesus Christ as something that is supposed to make your life easier. We make believing in Jesus Christ what what has been termed easy believism. Or another person has said we cheapen the cost of discipleship. Now, without getting in too much debate, we as Americans, as a whole, we don't have a good understanding of persecution and suffering. Now, I don't want to minimize or trivialize any pain or hardship that any one of you may be going, uh, may be going on in your life. I don't want to minimize what it, you, you have real challenges, you have real pain, you have real turmoil. I don't want to minimize that. But when you start to look at your life and the things that you're going through and the options that you have to help get through them, 
You have access to far greater resources than most of the world currently and through all of those who have ever lived in the entire scope of history. Now, this is especially true if you are a member of the military or if you are a veteran. Let me let you in on this little secret, okay? About 1% of our country serves in the military. That's not a lot, right? That's a small amount. We spend a lot in our budget on that 1%, do we not? And there's this push about supporting our military. We got to support our military. We got to support our military. Can I tell you as a military member, especially someone who's a part of the helping agencies on a military base, that if you're in the military, if you are a veteran, you have even greater resources than the average civilian has to help you get through whatever it is that you're going through. Now, I don't want to, again, I don't want to diminish or minimize our, our military members and their families do have to make sacrifices and some have to make the ultimate sacrifice. But friends, I think we as Americans as a whole don't really understand persecution and suffering because of all the resources, all the free resources that are available to shoot. This weekend I was working um, on my deck and I had to use a skill saw. Anybody ever use a skill saw? Scary thing. And I was thinking, if I cut my toe off right now, even if I didn't have insurance, I could go to an emergency room and they have to, by law, fix me. Even if I fail to pay, they still have to fix me. Try doing that in any country in Africa, in Asia, <laughs> anywhere else where there's socialized health care in the world. You're, you're hosed. Okay, you're losing a toe and appendage. Uh, now, friends, I, 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 again, I don't want to minimize what you're going through, but, but I think as a whole, we as Americans don't have a great or the greatest understanding of persecution and suffering. Friends, uh, now, thanks be to God, there's no hoops that anyone has to jump through to receive salvation from Jesus Christ. Jesus paid the penalty for your sins when he died on the cross on your behalf. It is a free gift that he gives you and you do not have to earn it. So salvation is free, but there's no guarantee in receiving this gift, receiving this gift that life is gonna magically become easier. I have read of no promise in the scriptures. And when you say yes to Jesus, it's rainbows and unicorns and puppies. We all like those things, right? In fact, if you read the scriptures, there's a number of times where it actually says life might get harder for you if you say yes to Jesus. And Jesus would say, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you too. Now, if you want life to be easy, at least externally, all you have to do is follow the ways of this world. Just tune me out. You can go ahead and tune me out. If you just want your life to be easy or the appearance of, of the appearance of ease, then just follow sin. The greatest way to get rid of temptation, the easiest, excuse me, not the greatest, the easiest, the quickest way to get rid of temptation is to give into it. Is it not? Now, I'm not at all recommending that, okay? So don't misunderstand me. Don't go away saying, my pastor said I can sin and it's all right. No, hold the brakes. What I'm saying is when it comes to following Jesus or following the ways of this world, it is often harder following Jesus than the world. 
Being a follower of Jesus means that you willingly choose to live life according to a new set of rules and regulations. And Jesus goes at great length in our story to tell you and me that we must be willing to count the cost in following him. Now, friends, some of you, I I firmly understand that this may be a risk. Some of you may have been presented with this idea that following Jesus means that life gets easy. And now I'm like saying something else and you want to say, liar, liar, pants on fire to the person who introduced you to Jesus, right? I don't think that that was their intent, okay? I don't think anybody intentionally means to deceive people. Some maybe do, but I don't think for the most part people intentionally mean to deceive you, okay? Sometimes we, we separate believing in Jesus and living for Jesus, <laughs> okay? Believing in Jesus, trusting in Jesus isn't a difficult thing. In that you don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to earn his salvation. You don't have to earn his love. It's a free gift that a children could understand. My daughter, Olivia, three years old, expressed a love for Jesus. I'm like, dang, she gets it. Why am I so hard-headed, right? Friends, there's, uh, if there's one big idea behind the story that we just read, it's this. If you're taking notes, it's not on the screen, but just write this down. Being a Christian requires that you no longer live for yourself, but for others. Being a Christian requires that you no longer live for yourself, but for others. You enter into a life of service. From our story, I think we see some core components. That sounds very military, doesn't it? I I see some just three core components. Um, that come to the heart of serving and living a life of service. So if you're taking notes, the first component is this. You must hate everything. You must hate everything. Now, I know the moment that I used the word hate, I lost some of you, and you want to argue with me. I kind of like that. I like being a little edgy here. I, I can't claim original inspiration because we just read it. Jesus actually said it himself. I'm just quoting him, right? Uh, Look at verse 26 again if you're in your word. If anyone comes to me and does not hate, he said it first, not me. If you do not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, when we read that Jesus tells us to hate our key relationships, right? Right? He does so with a very different understanding of the word hate, okay? So everybody take a deep breath. When we say hate and when he says hate, we're not talking the same thing all the time. And especially in context of what Jesus is saying here. Now, when we use the word hate, does it not come attached with some of the most intense emotions you can feel? Or experience? When we use the word hate, it is strapped tightly around our hearts, is it not? Usually we turn a different shade of red, we get angry, we get flustered, we get vindictive. Now, in order to better understand what Jesus means by hating, you must understand how a Jewish person would have heard it. Now, I came across a really good article by Jews for Jesus 
you want to get a Jewish perspective, go to a Jewish person, right? Better yet than a Jew who loves Jesus. I came across a really good article by uh, Jews for Jesus that gives us a better understanding. And here's some of the highlights. First, when Jesus said to hate even yourself, he's reflecting a messianic hope. He's declaring this is the time to see the Messiah. The prophet Micah prophesied that there would come a time in which uh, the world, society would be filled with discord and disharmony. Society would become worse, not better. Family and friends would sell each other out for their own comfort. Sounds a bit like today, doesn't it? We haven't progressed much in a couple thousand years, have we? Jesus is not teaching us to hate, that is to be vindictive, to get revenge. He is trying to tell us, what he's trying to teach us is that our relationships are going to be divided and strained because of your choice to follow him. And if you want to say yes to Jesus, you have to be willing to have strained relationships because of saying yes to Jesus. Now, thanks be to God, for the most part in our country, if you said yes to Jesus, it's not going to require your life, like physically require your life. But in other countries right now on this planet, go live in Iran and tell your family that you follow Jesus and see what happens to you. You have to be willing to hate even your own self-preservation to say yes to following Jesus. And so there, it came with this messianic hope. Second, Jesus taught to honor your parents. Jesus upheld honoring your mother and father, which is a commandment. And if he's telling you on one hand to love your parents, to love your family, and on the other hand saying, hate your family, hate yourself, he has to mean something different than actively being hostile towards your family. He has to mean something deeper, more rich. Third, Jesus understands hate more in the context of loyalty rather than emotional feelings. What he's saying when he says you have to hate your family and all this is you have to be more loyal to Jesus to God our Father, then you have to be to your family. And that was radical during that time period. There's even a, a, a rabbinical teaching in the Mishnah that says, if you have to choose between doing something for yourself or your family, choose yourself. If you have to choose between doing something for yourself or your teacher, you choose yourself. If you have to choose something between your family and your teacher, you choose your teacher. Jesus is saying, if you have to choose between doing something for yourself or something for God, you better choose God. Loyalty to God takes precedence over loyalty to family. Lastly, the word hate in the Bible often expresses priority and preference, not emotional hatred. And in these times, when it uses the word hate in these times, it means choosing something more than choosing something else. You, you may have heard, Jacob I've loved, Esau I hated. It's not like God's up there saying, oh, Esau's a jerk. I don't like him. I don't want to love him. I don't want to do anything nice for him. That's not what God's doing. He's just saying, I choose Jacob. I choose him as chosen people. I choose to love him, even though he's the second born. I choose him, not Esau. 
That's, and it's, so it's, when he says hate, it can, you can just boil it simply down to a choice of preference from one thing over the other. Now, I think the reason why God chose to preserve the word hate in our scriptures for us is because of the intensity that it communicates, right? That's an intense word. Okay, you can say that you're mad at someone. To say that you hate them takes it to DEFCON 4, right? Oh, you're about to push the nuke button on someone's life. That's how we understand it. But, but the, I think the reason why God preserved hate is this is because he wants us to know. It's, it's like a serious, intense, like you, you really got to know what you're getting yourself into here. And so uh, one of the com- key components to having the heart of service is that you must be willing to hate everything in order to love God and love other people. You have to even be willing to hate your own self. Okay, now everybody give yourself a hug. Okay, squeeze yourself a hug, okay? It's not about self-loathing. This is not about inflicting pain, okay? Or saying, I need to hate myself. I need to hurt myself in order to hate myself, in order that God would love me. Again, we're detaching emotions away from it. It's saying that you must hate your own personal comfort, your own right to freedom, your own right to pursue happiness in order to serve God and others. That's one of the costs in being a disciple. The second component is this. You must be willing to sacrifice yourself. Gets better, doesn't it? (laughs) Listen to verse 27. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, there's some misunderstandings on what it means to carry your cross or to bear my cross. You've heard that, you know? Uh, As one person describes it, they, they say it this way, and I think this is how a lot of people, especially those who are unsaved, understand that phrase. Every once in a while, you may hear someone say that a difficult situation is the cross they have to bear. I'm married to a difficult spouse. Bear my cross to bear. I'm not. Uh, what they mean by this is that they must accept an unpleasant situation or responsibility because there's no way to avoid dealing with it. My boss stinks. There my cross to bear. What's more, it's a situation of responsibility that can't be shared or passed along to someone else. Man, this cancer is my cross to bear. Some people even use their temptation. This temptation is my cross to bear. Now, the problem with this definition is, is that it's not at all what Jesus is talking about. That's taking it way out of context. The cross was a symbol of death. When Jesus says to the crowds, you must be willing to carry your cross, he is telling them, you must be willing to die. You must be willing to make the ultimate sacrifice if you want to follow me. Now, friends, there are some that this sacrifice is required of them. We call them a martyr. Most of the disciples themselves were killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. Missionaries, Christians around the world today are being killed for their relationship in Jesus Christ. God may in fact call you, require of you to give up the greatest cost of your very life. Or he may not. But regardless of whether he calls you to make that sacrifice or not, 
you must be willing to sacrifice your very self. And it's not just physically, but it's emotionally and spiritually as well. Now, let me give you a practical example of this, okay? Can I be vulnerable for a minute, transparent? All right. Uh, last week, last Sunday, we had our celebration banquet, and it was a rough week for me, just physically, okay? Um, I was really tired. I put a lot of extra hours. Uh, this isn't me whining or anything like that, so don't, don't come up and give me a hug afterwards, okay? Uh, last week, it just was a really, it was the last push to try to get the downstairs done. It's like 95% done. There's still some little odds and ends to tie up, but it, w- it was really difficult. Uh, and I had already scheduled months in advance time to go meet with a, f- a longtime friend after service. We were going to get together at Bridgeport Village and everything. Let me tell you, I, I got out of here at 2.30. I was meeting up with him at 4. All I wanted to do was sleep. And I was, there was something in me that said, cancel your commitment. Like calm and disappoint Break your friend's heart because you were just really exhausted and tired. And I just said, no, I need to let my yes be yes and my no be no. I really wanted to go and take a nap, but my kids wanted to tackle me constantly and play with me. And so I, I just, I went, I even was driving and I said, Heather, I just want to spend time with you. I just want to go to sleep. Uh, and she said, um, said, no, you got to go. And I'm, I'm, I'm going. It ended up being a really good time. Uh, it really actually invigorated me and, and I enjoyed it. But about 9.30 when I was starting to come home, I, got a, I just wanted to get home. I had about a 30-minute drive. just wanted to get home and go to bed. I get a text from a fr- another friend who wanted some of my emotional time. I just want to go to bed. I'm so exhausted. And I was debating on should I put him off? Should I put this phone call off to like the next day? And it hit me. The Holy Spirit just totally talked to me. And he said, you know, Steve, remember that time in Mark where Jesus wanted to get away with his disciples for some rest? And he gets them in a boat and they start going, but the crowds find out where he's going and they meet him on the other side. And so when he gets off, there's a crowd there already. And what does it say of Jesus? It says he had compassion on them. Oh, I gotta have compassion for people. I've got to die to my own self, to my own desires. I've got to be willing to give up myself in order to serve others. So Jesus, you're not calling me to give up my physical life, but you are calling me to give up my emotional life right now. Oh, friends. It ended up being a good conversation, but it, I was tired, right? So friends, not only do you have to hate everything. Not only do you have to sacrifice yourself, but friends, the last component of this is that you must bless others. We're told to be salty, right? To salt other people's life. Now, there's a number of reasons why salt was important. It's a preservation. You rub salt on meat, it prevents it from breaking down. It adds flavor to to food, right? As I've gotten older, I got to add a little bit more salt to my stuff. I'm losing taste buds left and right. But it makes... Food tastes better. But it was also used as currency to pay people back in ancient times. And so what I understand Jesus to mean is that you must be willing to spend your time, your talents, and your treasures. You must be willing to give of your stuff to provide for the needs of another person. 
There's another passage of scripture that says that if you see someone has a need, you see that they're hungry and you say to them, oh, go be with God. May you be warm, well-fed and not lacking anything. And you have the means to provide it, but you send them on the way without providing it. Shame on you for doing that. If you are convicted that there is a need in someone's life, if if the Holy Spirit convicts you that you need to fulfill that need, then you must bless others by giving up something of your own personal comfort. It may mean, darn it, I got to cancel date night. (laughs) Heather's like, no. It may mean that you do one less thing on vacation time. It may mean you put something off. It may mean uh, that you... um, I just have to reorient your life. But if you want to get at the heart of serving and if you want to be counted as one of Jesus' followers, you must be willing to bless other people with the stuff that God has given to you, all the commodities that he's given to you, your time, your talent, and your treasure. Friends, God has called everyone who has said yes to Jesus to living a life of service. And we must get at what the heart of service is. You must be willing to hate everything. You must be willing to sacrifice your very own life. And you must be willing to bless others if you're going to follow Jesus well. Now, here's the wonderful thing. As you do these things, he's promised to give you everything you need. He's promised to give you everything you need. He's promised to be with you wherever you go. There are great benefits to being a follower of Jesus Christ. The benefits far outweigh the sacrifice, friends. And at the end of it all, you get heaven for eternity and a glorified body. Amen? Amen. No more working out. The bennies far outweigh what you must give up. But friends, there is a cost. There is a cost. Would you be willing to pay it? Would you consider this Memorial Day reaffirming your commitment to following Jesus no matter the cost? Friends, would you join me in prayer as Super Praise Team comes forward? Thank you, Father, for giving us the example of your son, Jesus, who demonstrated for us what it means to love you, to follow you, to serve you. He showed us by paying the ultimate cost. He paid the cost that we can never pay to give us the benefits that we could never buy ourselves. Father, we have forgiveness of sin because of your son, Jesus. We have the hope of heaven and eternal life because of your son, Jesus. We have the hope of complete healing, a restored glorified heavenly body because of your son, Jesus. So God, this Memorial Day, as we go and celebrate our thankfulness and gratitude, Lord, may we recommit ourselves to counting the cost and living a life of service to you. And all God's people said, amen. Friends, would you please stand as we sing one last song?